Hello and welcome to episode 405 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Em Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva, and it is August, my friends. The pads are on, actual news is flowing, preseason starts this Thursday. Check out our preseason DFS content on the site. Shout out to us. Anyways, Evan, happy August. How's it going? It's going real well. The news is coming fast and furious today. Irv Smith, thumb surgery, questionable for the start of the season. We're closely monitoring this Tim Patrick situation. He went down in a non-contact scenario, and players were kneeling next to him, and it it looked potentially serious. I mean, we we don't know exactly what it is, but, I mean, there's definitely some concern that this could be a lengthy injury. Yeah, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday, August 2nd in the afternoon, so be aware of that. As I noted, camp is officially underway, and over the last seven days since we last did a news episode, I mean, we've gotten an absolute avalanche of news. So on today's show, we're going to discuss all of that and how it's changed our outlooks and rankings on players for the upcoming season. Before we get into it, note that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They do have an absurd 2 million to first, 1 million to second place fantasy best ball tournament running right now. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. It's really an unbelievable contest and drafting now is great practice for your home league. So visit Underdog Fantasy and use promo code ETR for up to $100 in free entries. Also, if you have a fantasy draft coming up, a home league, an office league, we can help. Our Draft Kit Pro is indeed live. It's only $49.99, includes all our rankings, best ball, dynasty, season-long props, all our articles leading up to week one. There's a ton of noise and bad rankings and clickbait nonsense out there this time of year. Our job, of course, is not any of that. Our business model is to produce the highest quality rankings and content for people who understand the difference in quality. So be sure to head to the subscribe page to check that out. All right, let's start with all the Bucks stuff that happened last week in the same day. The Bucks signed Julio Jones and they announced that Chris Godwin will not start the year on PUP. Now, if you listen to Market Monday yesterday, you know, it doesn't mean that Chris Godwin's going to be ready for week one. In fact, I'd be pretty surprised if he's ready for week one. But I think it's a really good sign for Chris Godwin that he could be back and back at full strength sometime in September or October. The Julio thing is another debate altogether as he's 33 years old. Evan, what was your initial reaction to all the Bucks wide receiver stuff that happened last week? Well, my my first thought is we had just done a show where I where I had Mike Evans number seven overall. I moved him down to number twelve. He's going to end up in the twelve to fifteen range. I think I still want to be above ADP on him. He's one of my favorite second round picks now, um, but I'm not taking him probably not in the first anymore. Maybe start looking him right looking at him right at that um, that twelve thirteen turn. Um, but that's where I, that's as, as the earliest that I would consider him now because one of the thoughts. The thought process behind him having him so high is that his target competition had lessened considerably. No Rob Gronkowski. Chris Godwin potentially beginning the season on PUP, but he will not begin the season on PUP uh, because he missed even the the active PUP. Um, So he's an active participant in practice, not fully. We're not expecting him to play in probably weeks one or two, but we are expecting him back by early October at the latest. Um, what did you think of Julio last year? Because Julio's 33 <laughs> mm-hmm. years old. And so I, I love, I mean, you guys know me. I absolutely love Julio. He's been one of my favorite players 
to draft to play in DFS for for so long. I I I thought he was fine last year. The situation wasn't great. He never really produced big games. He was constantly banged up. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they can rely on him for much more than like a rotational role. But that could look like a really bad take uh, if he is an outlier at his age. So what do you think of Julio last year? And what do you think of him as a buck? I just think that he can still be an effective player out there. And this was a great landing spot for him. I mean, getting to play with Tom Brady, you know, hey, if Mike Evans goes down, then they might have to rely on Julio Jones to be, you know, more, more of a full-time player. But I, I think that, you know, you, you couldn't have beaten the landing spot. I had to put him in the top 150. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I, I had to move him into, you know, a draftable range. Um, but I think that when everybody's at full strength in the Bucks receiver core, it's going to be Mike Evans as the X, Chris Godwin as like the, the movement Z flanker, and Russell Gage as the primary slot. And I think that that will be their primary three receiver set. Uh, I I don't, I don't think that Julio will be a part of it. Right. And I think Julio will rotate in on some clear pass downs and stuff like that. We have him around in the one thirties right now Mm -hmm. in our rankings on underdog. One guy who I'm watching the ADP on is Russell Gage. Cause people are like left Russell Gage for dead now, you know, like, Oh, he, you know, Godwin's back and they have Julio. Now there's no way Russell Gage can be effective. I still think Russell Gage can be effective in this offense. He doesn't have the same explosive ability because of where he runs routes and his ability than some of these other guys. But if Russell Gage's ADP dips enough, and I feel like no one wants to draft him now, mm-hmm. I'm not giving up on, on Russell Gage. I'm, I'm totally with you. And he's still going to get a big opportunity early in the season when Chris Godwin is on the shelf to develop a, a rapport and trust with Tom Brady. And that's invaluable in, in the Bucks offense. All right. Let's go to the Deshaun Watson stuff. So Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six games. NFL can appeal. They have another 48 hours or so to appeal. I actually don't think that they will. I think this is going to stick around six games. I could end up being dead wrong there. But let's talk about this as if Deshaun Watson will only miss the first six games and then be back. Deshaun Watson, we have an article up on the site right now. It's so dependent on what kind of league you're in. If you're in a league with really deep benches, it makes a big difference. If you're in a 2QB league, Mm -hmm. it makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, difference on Deshaun Watson's rank. If you're in a best ball tournament or a season-long tournament where all the money's at the end, it makes a big, big difference. So I'd encourage people to read the article on the site about how to handle Deshaun Watson. But Evan, I'm curious how you're thinking about Watson and say, also how you now think about Amari Cooper, David. I think everybody gets a bump. You know, everybody gets a bump up. Um, I think that the, you know, as we kind of entered the home stretch of, you know, when the NFL or the or uh, Sue Robinson was going to issue a, a ruling on, on, on this suspension, um, it became it started to become clear that it was going to be like in the four to eight game range. But I think that from a fantasy standpoint, you know, uh, this it was a positive outcome for the fantasy values of Deshaun Watson and the rest of the Browns. I mean, mm-hmm. and now we have like some definitiveness because for so long we were in limbo as to how long this suspension was going to be, and actually we're still kind of in, in limbo a little bit, uh, be, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned that Roger Goodell could actually um, step in and, and, and appeal this and, and try to make it longer. Um, but I mean, I think that everybody gets a bump up. You, you get a little, little bit more confident in Nick Chubb. Um, I think Kareem Hunt stands to benefit. I think that everybody stands to benefit from a fantasy standpoint in Cleveland. 
Yeah. I feel like Amari Cooper has been kind of uh, hummed over, glossed over mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to start, and they're going to play a lot mm-hmm. of two tight end sets with Harrison Bryant and David Njoku, and that's not a lot of target competition. Now, I do expect them to be very, very run-heavy. They have a very easy schedule to start when Joey Brissett is in there, and then Deshaun Watson will come in and obviously give them a boost. So, you know, I, I'm not opposed to Amari Cooper when he drops, and Njoku remains a, a guy that I'm on late when he drops as well. Yeah, and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones should start to become a pretty popular late-round sleeper. You know, Deshaun Watson doesn't have the greatest arm, but he's a very aggressive downfield passer. And, I mean, he could throw the deep ball, and Donovan Peoples-Jones has the speed to go get it. Yeah, and unfortunately, David Bell is still on the sideline of camp with this foot issue. More injury stuff. James Washington, who, you know, I always thought James Washington maybe didn't get a fair shake in Pittsburgh. Thought he at least had a chance to do some good things in Dallas, suffers a Jones fracture at camp on Monday. He's going to be out six to 10 weeks. I mean, they're really getting thin now, man. I mean, Amari's Mm -hmm. gone. Gallup has said that he's not going to play in week one, which makes me think that he's probably not going to be that close to week two or week three or week four either. And so now you have this spot where like, man, how many targets can CeeDee Lamb get? I mean, can CeeDee Lamb get a 25% target share, a 30% target share? It's not out of the question. Also, shout out to me. I have this James Tolbert, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Jalen Tolbert uh, ticket on offensive rookie of the year. I believe I got 50 to one, but some people out there, I think got like a hundred to one or something on Jalen Tolbert, the offensive rookie of the year, which, uh, you know, I don't think it's very likely to hit. Cause I'm not sure Jalen Tolbert is good enough to execute that, but his role should be really good now, assuming they don't sign someone. So a lot yeah. going on in Dallas here. What are your thoughts on CD and anything else? Yeah. I immediately put uh, a, a, a little bet on each, uh, CD Lamb to lead the league in receptions and to lead the league in receiving yards at about at around 15 to one on both. Mm-hmm. Um, CD Lamb is just absolutely set up for success here, you know. And so I, 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 I love, um, I love being ahead of ADP on CD Lamb. Uh, I like having him again uh, ahead of Devontae Adams, and I, I'm standing by that. Looking further down the depth chart, I mean. Jalen Tolbert, third round pick. He's like blocked into the starting lineup at this point. Um, I suppose they could look into Will Fuller, but we don't know if, if Will Fuller even wants to play at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah Brown, we kind of know his story. TJ Vasher is kind of interesting. He's made some, uh, he's grabbed some headlines early uh, in, at Cowboys camp. Six foot six, 215, second year undrafted free agent out of Texas Tech. Uh, just a, a name to keep in mind. There was finally, after like literally like six months of no news on Will Fuller yesterday, Aaron Wilson uh, tweeted something to the effect of teams are monitoring Will Fuller's status and he, you know, uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll sign by the end of camp or something like that. You know, I mean, Dallas should be looking to sign this dude. I mean, you couldn't find a better landing spot for mm-hmm. Will Fuller. They play in a dome, you know, uh, Dak can throw a very good deep ball. I mean, it's just... It, it would make a lot of sense. I have no idea if it's going to happen or not, but just be careful with the Jalen Tolbert stuff because there's at least some chance that Dallas adds Will Fuller or another veteran. Let's go to the Camara stuff. So as expected, Camara's hearing was pushed back another 60 days. So now he won't even have a hearing until October. And based on like everything I'm reading, if Camara's lawyers want to push this back through and keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until the end of the season, after the season, they can. And so we're going to do a podcast after this with our round two player by player takes and I continue to move Alvin Kamara up 
in my round two rankings. I think the concern here, Evan, is that like you draft Kamara in round two and then the video drops. And then at that point, we know when the video drops, you know, that's when everybody starts to actually freak out or, or respond or whatever. So there's certainly some risk here. But what do you think of the latest on Kamara stuff? I know we're going to talk about him next pod also. Yeah, there is the risk that this could continue to hang over his head, like you know, as the weeks and go as the weeks go by, and and we lose like some clarity with him because, you know, the, I mean, the NFL is not going to come out and announce that like that Alvin Kamara is not going to be suspended, right? I mean, this is just going to keep going on. It just it seems like at, at this point, although there is that element of, you know, uncertainty that could that could could creep into the regular season, that it still seems likely that he's not going to be suspended this year, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why I moved him up um, a couple of weeks ago. I think I've got him at 18 overall. Yeah, 17, right 17, actually. 17. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not going to move him up again, but um, I, I, at this point I feel comfortable drafting him in the third round. He usually makes it to the third round. I have them. I have him ranked at, as a, uh, a second round player though, but you can usually get him in the third round. So that's another reminder, you know, try to, try to get in some of these drafts, try to get a feel for ADP. Yeah. Where do guys usually go? I think Alvin Kamara's a, a, a fine third-round pick. I think that since yesterday, when this news came out, he's going in the second round. Like, all the drafts I've done since that, since yesterday's hearing got delayed, he goes in the second round. So I think there's oh, going to okay. be a market a market reaction here. But but yeah, I agree that um, can be ahead of ADP in kind of the middle second round for sure. All right. Bills. So, you know... I love Joe, Joe Buscaglia, uh, one of my favorite beat writers, covers the Bills for The Athletic. He's been all over this McKenzie versus Jamison Crowder battle. Now, I want to preface this by saying Jamison Crowder missed the entire first week of camp with quote-unquote general soreness. But I mean, Isaiah McKenzie has been like lighting up Bills camp. And so Joe is saying that, you know, it, it might, I, I wouldn't call it this early, but McKenzie certainly has a leg up. I'd also add that, wow, like, Anytime Cole Beasley missed last year, I mean, McKenzie was really, really, really good. And I don't want to give up on mm -hmm. James Crowder because I still think he can play also. But McKenzie had some really big games when Cole Beasley was out last year. Obviously, Cole Beasley is gone now. I think it's a sneaky, interesting camp battle that we're seeing between McKenzie and Crowder. How are you seeing it right now, Evan? Yeah, um, <clears throat> that, you know, that, that, that context, that, that layer of context is definitely needed that Jameson Crowder was out to begin camp. He's also a guy who has dealt with a lot of, you know, soft tissue stuff throughout his career. Um, we talked about how we were somewhat disappointed in how much money Isaiah McKenzie resigned mm -hmm. with the Bills for. Jamison Crowder didn't get a big deal either, you know. So I, I think it's an it's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, my my intuition had been similar to Leone's, and Leone's a, a big Bills guy that. Crowder was probably going to be the three in the main slot guy and that Isaiah McKenzie would return in that sort of, you know, a little bit of a returner role, a little bit of a gadget guy, but the number four. But it looks like he's getting a shot to be the number three. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't – I'm just going to continue to monitor the situation. I, I still have Crowder ahead, but I, I may need to change that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff we'll be watching in preseason. Hopefully we get mm -hmm. to see the first team out there and Jamison Crowder healthy and see – how they use McKenzie and how they use Crowder for sure. Debo got his contract. Debo gets 71 million, 58 of it guaranteed. Now, you know, not a big deal. I don't even think that was really news. I, th I thought that the interesting part of it was that 
he obviously didn't want, or he wanted to be compensated, and rightfully so. He wanted to be compensated if they continue to use him as running back. He can earn another $1.95 million if he hits certain running back, quote-unquote, incentives. So if 49ers want to use him as running back, basically they're going to have to pay $2 million over the life of the contract, which on a $58 million guarantee contract, it's like nothing, right? So I don't know that that's really going to dissuade them at all. So I don't really have much... Uh, of a lean here on any impact. I've been very lower than market on Debo. You can go to YouTube and check out uh, my fades for why. But yeah, what do you think about Debo's deal and any comments on the running back stuff? Yeah, last season in the second half of the year, like he got more carries than receptions Yeah, uh, from I think weeks 11 through 18. So, um, you know, that that's, I don't think that they're gonna, I think they'll probably scale it back a little bit, but I think what how what happened here was someone got in Debo's ear early in the offseason. Contract negotiations were coming up. Someone got in his ear about the carry usage. But I think that the sides found some common ground there, and they kind of put it behind them. And now he's going to get a chance to hit free agency again at age 29. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I think that I, I think that they're, they're going to continue to or incorporate him into the running game for sure, just probably not to the extent that they did in the second half of last year. Yeah, Evan has Debo slightly below ADP. As you'll hear in the next episode, mm-hmm. I have Debo well behind yeah. ADP. I mean, the big concern here is not even necessarily the running back usage. It is um, uh, the the changing complexion of the 49ers offense and how they could be even more run heavy going forward and tra- with Trey Lance now incorporated into that. Let's go to the Ravens backfield, the much talked about Ravens backfield you know there's been a lot of speculation and we talked about some of these team beat writer stuff we've talked about the the Twitter doctors Jameson Hensley I think it was pretty reliable from ESPN he had Mm -hmm. a report on Sunday that J.K. Dobbins is actually ahead of Gus Edwards and you know I've been probably more optimistic than the market through this whole process on J.K. Dobbins I think they're trying to under promise and over deliver on his health doesn't mean he's a lock for week one but I think it was at least promising that he's ahead of Gus gives him a chance at least to uh, really have a big workload. If he's ready for week one, Evan, what do you think about the Ravens backfield right now? That it's pretty cheap. Um, you know, people have not been aggressively drafting JK Dobbins. It sounds like JK Dobbins is like chomping at the bit to get out there. He's like staying after practice and begging the coaches, Hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And that's what you want to see from a guy that's in, in his situation. But you know, John Harbaugh was like, you know, well, the, the doctors are going to decide when he gets to practice. Uh, but it sounds like he's awfully close. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, you know, people aren't pulling the trigger on him until yeah. like the seventh round. Uh, yeah. But he's he's definitely a guy like, you know, and, and then when he gets cleared, like his ADP is going to go up two rounds. Yeah. So oh. now's the time to draft him. Yeah. Yeah. I've been taking him so much. And, and yeah, I just I think it's just a bet worth taking with the Ravens very, very likely to be much more run heavy this year and Jacob Dobbins being such an efficient player. Speaking of running backs going kind of in that range. So this is kind of what I was talking about with like headlines on Twitter and fantasy sites or whatever, kind of spiraling out of control. The headlines were, you know, Miles Sanders has, has been benched. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders is a second stringer now. And, and you know, I, it's not, it, it's an overreaction because Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, I think are going to have a role in the regular season. Of course, they're going to get first team reps. You know, so mm-hmm. of course, Miles Sanders is going to yeah. get some reps with the second team. It's not the craziest thing in the world. I just thought it was confirming that it's going to be a three-way, three-way backfield. And I think that's the way 
you've seen it all along, Evan. I agree with you that Miles is by far the most talented back here, but I do think that they like Kenny game one. They like Boston Scott, and those guys are going to play. So what was your reaction to all this stuff around Miles Sanders, quote-unquote, second stringer last week? Um, and then Nick Sirianni came out and said, Miles is our guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're just giving all the de- – I mean, they consider them all to be, like, first-team players. You know, Kenneth Gainwell earned a, a fairly significant role last year, and there's no reason to expect that to get smaller. Uh, and then Boston Scott has been around the team. I mean, he's like a like a trusted veteran. So it's not surprising that they'd all be getting first and second team reps. Um, and Miles Sanders is like, he's been really efficient. I mean, he's at like five and a half yards per carry over the last two seasons. We've talked ad nauseum about how we expect this offensive line to be a kick-ass unit. Jalen Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback. Like, they have all the elements of, like, an elite rushing offense. And Miles Sanders, I think, is entrenched as the lead back, despite this, this you know, camp report. I think he's locked in as the lead back in, you know, maybe one of the best rushing offenses in the league. And therefore, I'm going to continue drafting him in the seventh round. Yeah. Yeah, Evan is still about 10 spots ahead of market on Miles Sanders in his rankings. You know, we've talked about a lot, Evan. I mean, my concern is just, hey, two-man backfields, that's today's NFL. Three-man mm-hmm. backfields, that starts to become a real concern, particularly mm-hmm. if Miles Sanders isn't going to play on pass downs. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to have a very high throw rate at running backs either. And so those are concerns for me on Miles Sanders. But yeah, I think he's very clearly the most talented guy there. Let's go to... Zeke. So I feel like you're, I feel like you're uh, back in on Zeke, Evan. And I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this turn of events. Neither in did the off I. Season. And so Zeke, neither did I. And Zeke, uh, so, you know, it's every year this happens where like everybody's excited about Tony Pollard. Then the Cowboys come in and be like, Zeke's our guy. Zeke's the cornerstone. Zeke's our key. And we knew this was coming. They, we knew they were going to say last year was a result of the PCL. I, I still think that Tony Potter is a better player. I still think that the team might not be nearly as good, and therefore they're going to have to make some changes offensively at some point during the year. So Zeke still scares me, but it sounds like you still have an appetite for him on some level. What do you think about all the Zeke stuff? Yeah, because he's starting to fall into the fourth round. I mean, yeah. no one wants to draft Ezekiel Elliott this year. And I mean, I get it to some extent, but you know, there are also reasons to explain away, and nobody, nobody's done a better job of this than Jerry Jones, to explain away his struggles. And last year was the PCL injury. And now he's in the best shape of his life. And he's passed the PCL injury. And, you know, they have a, 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 a high level of commitment to him. He, I think he's certainly going to get all of September to show that he can get back. He's not that old. Oh. You know, he's like 26 or 27. Yeah. Um, but I think he's going to, at, you know, at very least can get all of September to show that he can you know still be a bell cow back and be an every down back um and, and i think at some point the coaches might have to make a change but if he's going the fourth round like he's still got the potential to score 12 13 14 15 oh. touchdowns like that's very much in his range of potential outcomes oh there's absolutely zero doubt uh, about that I, I do think that like all the cowboys injury stuff maybe opens up room for tony Pollard and zeke to both so be winners at yeah. their adp like you yeah can, yeah that, i mean that's the thing i mean if you can get zeke in the in the fourth and Pollard in, I don't know, eighth, ninth, like they can absolutely both be ADP beaters. Yeah. Let's go to oh, Mike Jasicki. Uh, I know you tweeted about this one, Evan. Mike Jasicki, shout out Penn State. We already talked about Miles Sanders and Chris Godwin, shout out Penn State. Now, this Mike Jasicki stuff that does not sound good. We know tight ends block 
in the Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan offense. They, they left George Kittle into block, you know, way more than we would have liked in San Francisco. Mike Jasicki is not nearly the player that George Kittle is, but I'm not sure Mike Jasicki is a blocker like George mm-hmm. Kittle is either. So I was a little bit surprised that Mike Jasicki, hearing Mike Jasicki say, hey, I hardly ran any routes today. My role is going to be more blocking here. I don't know if that's camp noise or if that's real. What, did you, what was your reaction to the Jasicki stuff? Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, they it's become pretty clear that, like, they never even considered giving Mike Jasicki a long-term deal. They gave him the franchise tag. That's a one-year thing. But they, they were, there weren't even any contract negotiations, apparently. Um, and that deadline has now passed for uh, franchise tag players to sign long-term extensions. So he's on a prove-it deal, essentially. And the offense is changing. I just, I worry about him like losing snaps to Durham Smythe and, and Hunter Long, you know, like uh, tight ends that, that can act, actually block because that's mm-hmm. not Mike Jasicki's game at all. Right. I mean, it's not like they're going to turn him into a blocker in one training camp. Right. I just, I, I, I think he's like a full fade for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike Jasicki was appetizing to me last season because he was essentially an oversized wideout. He literally Mm -hmm. like barely lined up in line. He was like a slot wide receiver or even a wide, wide receiver for most of the year last year. And so you're getting to play essentially a wide receiver at the tight end position. If that's not going to be the case this year, that's going to be a problem for sure. The offense is just going to be built around run after catch opportunities to Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill. Yeah. And, you know, with some chase Edmonds mixed in and, not a whole lot of Jasicki, I don't think. Let's go to the Broncos stuff. I mean, one of the biggest debates of the fantasy football season has been how much will Javante separate from Melvin Gordon, if at all. You know, there has been conflicting reports in the media about how much Melvin Gordon is working in with the first team. Cecil Lammy, who uh, we've known for a long time as uh, a reporter slash fantasy guy around the Denver Broncos, he is firmly in the camp that Javante is going to separate massively. This year, others, Benjamin Albright, some others from Denver Post are saying, well, hold on a second. Melvin is working in just as much. They think it's going to be more like 50-50 or 55-45. I'm tempted to lean more with the conservative nature of the split to start 50-50, 55-45 in favor of Javante. But if Cecil's right, Javante should be going in like round one. So it's definitely a, a tricky situation. What do you think about all the Broncos running back stuff? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, and just trying to, you know, I, I well, I, I'll say this. I think that it's a, another situation where both guys could actually beat their ADPs because Melvin Gordon is very cheap in drafts. Mm-hmm. And I've continued to draft him, um, you know, ninth, tenth round. Like, absolutely. Because even if, I mean, Cecil even suggested that he could get cut, um, you know, which is something we, we talked about last offseason, but then we got information that that wasn't going to happen. Um, but you know, I, I think that if he were to get like Cecil mentioned the possibility of him going to new Orleans, if Alvin Kamara were to be suspended, um, they do have Mike Boone who was brought in by George Patton from Minnesota. They like came together. Um, but I I think ultimately it's most likely that they're just going to keep the veteran, you know, and and, I mean, he's, he's a reliable guy's coming off a solid season. He's still a pretty good player. Melvin Gordon is. Uh, but I do think it's a, uh, another situation where they could both beat their ADPs. Javante Williams could – what Cecil Lammy is saying right now in his most recent uh, is that he thinks that it could be 70% Javante, 30% Melvin Gordon. Um, and I think that that is a reasonable expectation. I don't know. I, I'm continuing to, to draft them both, though, because I like investing in this offense. 
um, right now with, you know, with the addition of Russell Wilson and, you know, moving on from that, that super old coaching staff. Yep. And, and I, uh, we'll talk more about my Javante taking the next uh, podcast. I do have him somewhere in round two. Stay tuned to find out uh, exactly where, but we'll talk more about that then. Let's go to uh, Wendell. So Wendell Robinson, you know, sometimes with rookies, they don't let them open camp with the starters right away. Like, it's just like, you're a rookie, you're gonna have to quote unquote, earn it, even if you're a second round pick, even if you're a first round pick, whatever. They didn't make them do that with Wendell. Wendell opened camp with the starters right away next to Galladay and Kadarius Tony, And then we also have Darius Slayton running exclusively with the second or third team. Darius Slayton, as we've talked about, major candidate to be traded or get cut. It's rare for me to be excited about like someone who's five foot eight wide receiver. But I feel like Dable has tricks up his sleeve in a big way for Wandale. He would not have used second round draft cap on if he didn't. And obviously I'm excited about the potential for Danny Dimes and this passing offense. So I've been like, I get Danny Dimes and Wandale like so they're both so cheap and I get them so often in best ball stacks. It's like actually scary, but any new takes or fresh takes on Wendale or what's going on with the Giants wideouts? I think that this is the way that the Giants want their three receiver set to be when they open the season. And that will be Wandale in the slot, Kadarius Toney as the movement Z receiver, and Kenny Galladay as like the big perimeter presence on the outside. Sort of like, you know, if you wanted to uh, liken it to Brian Dayball's situation in Buffalo, Kenny Galladay would be the Gabe Davis. Wandale Robinson would be the Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, and Kadarius Toney would be the Stefan Diggs. Oh, baby. Love it. Um, we've talked a lot about Traylon Burks. You know, I, I think there was some overreaction to Traylon Burks' asthma, Traylon Burks' minicamp, because he's gotten off to a hot start at Titans camp, and they desperately need him, like, in the worst way to have a big impact in his rookie year. Uh, everybody knows Circus Sports. If you listen to the interview with Jeff Benson, Circus Sports has moved Traylon Burks to the favorite to be offensive rookie of the year in their market. Not that those markets are efficient at all. I just thought it was uh, notable. But man, they need him so bad. I know some, it's a very polarizing prospect. I know you moved him way down, Evan. We've been trying to coax you into moving him back up. Is yeah. it working at all? Yeah, I'm going to capitulate on this one. Um I mean, just Leone just wore me out. I mean, he just wore me down. Uh, so I'm going to make the change today. I was going to make it yesterday, but I got caught up uh, in team previews. I'm going to make the change today, and Traylon Burks will be back in, you know, a solidly draftable range. Yeah. Um, he, it, it, I, I like hearing the positive camp reports, especially after he had kind of a tumultuous offseason. You know, the um, the assessments of his game from Mike Renner and Matt Harmon, neither of whom was neither of which were, were very positive yeah. about Traylon Burks. Those kind of stick in my mind. But man, I mean, he's a first round pick with a ton of opportunity. He's playing well in camp right now. So I mean, I I, I get it with Traylon Burks. I I get it. I, it's it's the Harmon and Renner stuff still bothers me, but I get it. Yeah, I, my hesitance on Traylon Burks was never about the asthma or having, you know, missing OTAs or whatever. It was mm -hmm. that everybody's just like expecting him to come in and be as good as A.J. Brown. And even when A.J. Brown was on the Titans, I mean, you know, he had he had some very good games and he disappeared a lot because of the way they play offense as well. And so, yeah, but, you know, Traylon Burks ADP obviously dipped and and in a big way. And so I think he's certainly back on the radar where he's going now. And it's another like receiver situation. We've talked about this a lot with the Rams. Um 
and how and we're, we're going to talk about van jefferson and, and his knee issues but like there's so little target competition behind the top two guys that it you know puts them in high target share situations you know potentially very high target share situations and i mean you look down the depth chart in tennessee after robert woods and Traylon burks like it's nick westbrook ikine you know and mm-hmm. racy mcmath i mean you know undrafted type guys that you know uh, just there there should be a level of like locked inness for Traylon Burks atop the depth chart, you know, assuming that his camp continues to go well. And again, he's been playing well early. Let's go to uh, Pittsburgh. So uh, Chase Claypool banged up his shoulder, but before that, he was in the slot. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens were on the outside. And by the way, George Pickens has been reportedly lighting up camp Mm -hmm. as well. I talked about a little bit about him on Market Monday as well, but I kind of like this role for Chase Claypool, 6'4", 238, put him in the slot and let him eat up some smaller guys what do you think about how the Steelers are lining up with their wide receivers and by the way it looks like Mitchell Trubisky almost a lock to start mm-hmm. week one I mean Kenny Pickett sounds like he's a mess out there yeah Kenny Pickett sounds like he's been struggling apparently Mason Rudolph has been doing well in camp but yeah I think there was a report today that or earlier today that like Mitchell Trubisky has been like told that it's his job to lose yeah and um you know I, I fully expect him to open the season as a starter but yeah chase claypool it sounds like his injury is not serious maybe just cost him a couple days um but yeah that's what the the three receiver set looks like chase claypool 6'4 238 slot receiver lining up against five nine nickel corners yes yes please yes please go to uh washington backfield brian robinson you know all these like i i tweeted something to the effect of, you know, there was a report that Brian Robinson, the Washington expects him to get the short yardage work. And we know J.D. McKissick is going to get the pass down work. So if that's going to be true, it's going to be really hard for Antonio Gibson to score fantasy points because Brian Robinson is likely to get goal line work. And then all the pass down two minutes is going to go to J.D. McKissick. What does that leave Antonio Gibson with? Now, everybody came back into my mentions. I mean, there were some really angry people. Eh, Brian Robinson was a fifth-year senior. Have you even watched his tape? But <laughs> I, I don't need to watch the tape. Washington spent a round three pick on Brian Robinson. Clearly they think that the dude could play in college, no matter what you thought of him. It doesn't really matter what you thought of him. It matters what Washington football team or the commanders or whatever they're calling themselves thought of him. So I, I, you know, Antonio Gibson, I I think is a talented dude, but they clearly don't trust him in passing situation. I mean, they were desperate to get McKissick back. And then they use round three draft pick on a big back to play in short yards. So I don't know where that leaves Antonio Gibson. What do you think about what's going on with the Washington backfield? (laughs) <laughs> that layer of analysis that you mentioned, like uh, talking about that, how, how he's like a fifth year senior, that's the dynasty version, uh, dynasty version uh, analysis bleeding into redraft analysis. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what that is, which, you know, that's fine in terms of dynasty analysis, but that doesn't really matter for us in, in, in redraft as much. I mean, we, we probably all agree that Brian Robinson isn't going to be some superstar. Okay. But it matters because they use a third round pick on him. They've already like come up with a role for him and it's the short yarded stuff and potentially goal line stuff. And like that, that kind of stuff does matter for redraft. And that's what we're talking about. And and we're not talking about even drafting Brian Robinson. We're right. just talking about how it's going to affect the other members of the backfield in the short term. And it's just not good news for Antonio Gibson period. I mean, and he's not a fun guy to draft right now, which sucks because Antonio Gibson is a fun player. Yeah. Let's go to 
I mean, I'm, I'm almost tired of talking about Ramondre at this point, but more hype yeah. from Ramond, on Ramondre. Steven, see, Peter King says Ramondre is likely to lead the committee. Peter King was out at Patriots camp. You know, I, I don't really trust Peter King on uh, depth chart and uh, player valuation stuff, player usage valuation stuff. I just thought it was worth noting. We've already said our piece on Ramondre, and at this point, his ADP has spiked to the point where I'm actually getting less and less of Ramondre now, where mm-hmm. I was just before it was like every draft I was getting. Ramondre, but you know, it's just a market and that's the way it goes. I think in home leagues, Ramondre will be cheaper than he is on sites like underdog right now. Anything there to have, add there? there yeah, there, I mean, this is sort of just a confirmation, confirmation bias thing right now with the, the Peter King stuff, but there have been enough indications from not only Peter King, but also from the Boston Herald and, you know, other Patriots uh, reporters, there've been enough indications that Ramondre Stevenson could leapfrog Damian Harris that I mean I moved Ramondre Stevenson ahead of Damian Harris uh, in my rankings yep all right you mentioned Van Jefferson Van Jefferson underwent knee surgery sounds like a scope of some kind uh to me he's questionable for week one I mean they blew it man they they had they were like oh we're finally gonna make a draft pick we're we're gonna we're gonna make a draft pick it's gonna be in the second round and it's gonna be a five foot eight 155 pound wide receiver whatever he is in Tutu Atwell. And it's like, oh, and everybody, and this is not hindsight. Everybody at the time was like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is right. this is a disaster. And now with Van Jefferson Hurt, they have like no one. And they blew this pick uh, on Tutu Atwell. Like, he can't play in the NFL wide receiver. So, like you mentioned, target competition is really opening up for Allen Robinson, for mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. Any thoughts on Vans, on the thought of Vans injury? Um, this would be his second knee surgery of the offseason. Uh, so that... That, that's never good. Um, even if they say, oh, he, he should be back around or, or by week one, like we don't want our wide receivers having double knee surgery, you know, yeah. in the off season, especially that, in, in the, you know, the reason that it, it would not, it would be because the first ter- surgery like didn't, didn't fix the problem. So we had to have another surgery that, 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 that can't be good. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned Tutu Atwell, according to the LA times, Ben Skoranek, is ahead of Tutu Atwell. And Ben Skronik was like, you, you want to talk about a fifth-year senior. I mean, he played at Northwestern for four years. Then he went and played at Notre Dame. He was like a role player at Notre Dame. You know, he's he's, he's really supposed to be a special teamer. I think it is. It should be, it should serve as an indication that the Rams need to re-sign Odell Beckham. But we also know that he's probably not going to be ready for a while uh, himself. Yeah, yeah. I think they probably are interested in Odell Beckham, but I don't think he'll have an impact until December, you know, playoff type time. Let's go to Eckers wide out. So Christian Watson underwent knee surgery. We found out as camp opened and he's going to be out a few weeks. They say certainly not a good thing for a player coming from an FCF school, a really run heavy FCF school, trying to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust, which is a hard thing to do. Now he has surgery. Like to me, Christian Watson is like borderline. I, I just have no interest in drafting him whatsoever. I do have some interest in ADP. In Romeo Dubs, who's allegedly been lighting up Packers camp and has a ton of opportunity. Like, I'm not sure Alan Lazard is that dude. We know who Randall Cobb is mm-hmm. at this point. Maybe Romeo Dubs somehow gets into Aaron Rodgers' good graces. Where are you at on Packers wide receivers? Very similar to you. Pulled Christian Watson out of the top 150 immediately. And that's kind of like depressing for a player who was drafted in the top 35 and is going to play with Aaron Rodgers. And we're like already out on him. Yeah. Um, He's probably a buy in dynasty, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't, I'm not touching him in redraft right now. Um, 
Romeo Dubs, I mean, hey, hey, we've been talking about this guy since the draft. He had a lot of college production. That's always a good indication for a player's, um, you know, uh, projectability into the NFL. And I, I think he's really interesting. He's a really good athlete as well. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes for, you know, a classic late round sleeper. I mean, he should be he should be taken in every draft at this point. Are you going to be able to talk yourself into Sammy Watkins at any point this year? I'd rather draft Randall Cobb. I mean, it makes me throw up, okay. but I, I I think Randall Cobb has a chance to like actually catch like 70 balls and he's like free, you know? So yep. okay. it, it's, it's not fun. It's not exciting, but you know, there's some, there's a pretty good floor, I think on, on Randall Cobb. Um, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to be for me, but. Okay. Uh, two more here that we added today. First, Irv Smith underwent thumb surgery. We found out and God, I mean, I was so excited for this guy and, they say he's gonna probably gonna be back by week one, and and that's great and all, but it just sucks to like miss all of camp and you're a receiver, you're a pass catcher, and now you have thumb surgery, and, and you know it's just not great because I take him so much as my late round tight end. Also, confirmation out of Vikings camp that KJ Osborne is locked into the number three role as expected. It's just important because we expect him to play way more three wide receiver sets, and Adam Thielen is absolutely kicking in the age model as well, and so I like late round stabs on KJ Osborne, but. Yeah, any reaction to the Irv Smith stuff or KJ Osborne stuff from today? Well, it'll be interesting to see if they go like get someone else at tight end, like go sign Eric Ebron or something like that, because they don't they have very little depth at tight end. They got Johnny Munt and mm-hmm. like Ben Ellifson. Um, that that will give us an indication of how they really feel about Irv Smith's recovery timeline. Yep. Last one. Sad one, because I do think Tim Patrick can ball. Evan mentioned at the top, scary scene for Tim Patrick today at Broncos camp. I mean, you know, I never want to see a guy get hurt, but the Broncos needed to be thinned out because they were so, so, so loaded. I don't know how long Tim Patrick's going to be out for, but this could clean up a lot of stuff. Let's assume for now that Tim Patrick's injury is as bad as it seems. What would your reaction be in terms of Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, anybody else like that? KJ Hamler definitely moves up and he just got cleared for practice. You know, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries, but he's, he's ready to roll now. And that dude's got some speed and Russell Wilson, you know, over the past, what, five, six, seven years, like, has there, you know, there haven't been many better deep ball throwers than Russell Wilson. Um, So KJ Hamler gets a big bump. You know, I think that the Broncos could look at more two tight end sets with uh, Albert O and Greg Dulcich. Dulcich is also back practicing. He, got injured at minicamp. Um, at least he's back into individual drills, so he's still working his way back. Um, but yeah, more two tight end sets, potentially. And I think that it solidifies to an extent Jerry Judy, because there had been some indications that Jerry Judy might not open as the, the locked-in number two receiver because Tim Patrick's a better blocker, and Jerry Judy's probably going to primarily play in the slot, and that could cut into Jerry Judy's snaps. But I think now we can lock in for sure Jerry Judy into a full-time role. And I, I think that, you know, adds an element of um, confidence that we may, that may have been shaky previously. Yeah. I, I think the Tim Patrick news will fly under the radar for a lot of people. It, to me, it has a really, really big impact on, on a lot of things going on with Denver. So we'll be watching that closely for sure. Yeah. It, and it kind of flew under the radar, but late last season, the Broncos gave Tim Patrick like a pretty sizable contract extension. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they know that he can ball. For sure. All right. There's been a ton of news. We covered it all here today. Hope this was helpful 
for you guys. If you're on YouTube, let us know in the comments if there's anything else you would like us to cover for sure. We'll be back next episode to reveal and discuss our round two rankings for the 2022 fantasy football season. Check out the draft kit. So Evan can continue his massacre of Cubs games. Four. Evan. Four. Producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.